0: I'm moved and a little bit sad when I hear someone speaking in the Mi'kmaq language. Though I don't understand the language of our people, the sound of it is mystical. It connects you spiritually to a place from which you're lost and are trying to find. But can you ever get back to that place, really? Yes, we have the apps, the camps, even money from the feds to boost indigenous language preservation. But is learning the Mi'kmaq language so different from English and the other Latin languages so hard that the best we can do are some basic readings? Quay, Wilalan. This week we speak with someone who's proof that if you want it badly enough, you can take back your language. I'm Glenn Wheeler and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land and water. Thank you for supporting Mi'kmaq Matters through Patreon or email funds transfer. These are strange and difficult times. I hope you and those dear to you are well and stay well. Well, all
1: you. Simon
0: That was Dean Simon offering a greeting to the Mi'kmaq Grand Council during their visit to so-called Newfoundland last fall. I remember when I saw it online, I thought, wow, this guy's pretty good. But it didn't just happen for Dean Simon. He's put a lot of work into it. As we know with learning languages, immersion is key. You have to be in the environment. So Dean Simon left his home in Flat Bay and crossed the water to Eskasoni, the kind of place where you hear a Mi'kmaq spoken when you're walking down the road. So this is Dean Simon's language journey and your roadmap if you too want to take back your language. I wanted to uh, talk to you, Dean, about your journey because you have done something uh, exceptional. You've, um, You've basically uprooted yourself from Flat Bay and uh, gone to Eskasoni and um, and tell us about um, tell us about that move and uh, why you made it
1: well um, I've been on a uh, language learning journey for um, several years now Um, probably going back to uh, 2015 when I attended my first uh, Sultan Edge conference here in Eskazoni and um yeah I had always planned to do an immersion um session and uh, the opportunity kind of came up or I uh, I decided it was time to move um and uh so I put the wheels in motion um I've found a place to stay on res which is very difficult with the housing shortages and stuff like that but um, I managed to uh, use some connections and got got a place to stay and um, yeah I've been working here for a little over a year now and I would say about 75 percent uh, reached my goal uh, being kind of minimally, minimally fluent um, I'm a much better reader and writer because that's all I had in Newfoundland. Uh, and I spent most of my time learning to read and write. But uh, the language is starting to sink in.
0: Um, so I, I would think in Eskasoni there's, um, well, there's opportunity to speak uh, Mi'kmaq on a, I suppose as soon as you go outside your front door, there is an opportunity to speak uh, Mi'kmaq. What's it? What's it like there when you're walking down the road? Do you hear people speaking Mi'kmaq? Is that a normal thing in Eskasoni?
1: Absolutely. Uh, you can you can hear the neighbours quite regularly uh, yelling out to children and uh, telling them to come home or to get out. <laughs> One wow. of those two things. Uh, when you go into the stores, uh, if you choose to speak Mi'kmaq, you can certainly... Never use English. Uh, no need to use English in most of the stores. Um, so,
0: and if... is, it most, is it mostly the older people? If uh, if you're uh, you know the youth the youth of today uh, hanging out uh, with your friends, uh, you know, or chatting, you know, texting or whatever. Among younger people, is is Mi'kmaq also the first language, or is English creeping in there?
1: It's stronger here than anywhere else, but yeah, you can uh, definitely see the difference uh, if you observe groups of younger people. Um, they, will, um, they will be speaking uh, more and more English, but there is a strong core of young speakers that um, are, have learned in their family unit, and I'm sure we'll carry that forward uh, to other generations.
0: And and if the young people wanted to, could they speak to you in Mi'kmaq? Do they still have the language?
1: um, There's a language program in all of the school system. Um, Eskizoli is very unique because they have uh, an immersion program. So you can go uh, right up to grade four uh, fully immersed in the language. And those those children are the ones. There's a hundred or so different hundred or so students that are um, certainly going to uh, play a big role in preservation. And uh, I believe there's plans to add a grade five soon, and every couple of years, try and add on until they have a full um, full school system in immersion uh, here. So. It may still take another ten or fifteen years, but uh I think that uh the fact that the, lang- the Mi'kmaq the language is going to survive will be largely in due to Eskizoni and
0: uh hmm. now uh what's it like for you when you're out uh when you're out in the community speaking of Mi'kmaq? Some of us have tried to uh, use our our French in Quebec or France and um, people who uh the French speakers uh, can be impatient and they'll switch into English because they don't have time to speak to us and they're not very good French. So uh, do you get that reaction in uh, in Eskasoni? Do people people talk along with you or do they try to be helpful by speaking in English?
1: It depends on what you start with yourself. So I generally always uh, do greetings in Mimo and have a primary question that I'll ask in Mimo and, if that's understood, uh, then we continue going on. And um, I, there's a, often in my daily life, I'll have exchanges for a couple of minutes where uh, there'll be very little or no English spoken. Um, it's it's a challenge though because the the easy thing to do is to go to the language that you both know, and so I need to. Uh, remind people, o nuimi, speak to me in Mi'kmaq, Um slow down. Uh Miap, tell me again. Um so as long as I use the tools that I have, the conversation can stay in uh in Mi'kmaq for longer periods of time.
0: It it, it like language uh, does take an effort. When you're tired, for example, you're your mind doesn't work as well. Your tongue doesn't work as well. So uh, you have to, as you say, you have to make an effort. There's English is always waiting for you there, tempting mm-hmm. you. Um, so uh, you have to be disciplined. Yeah.
1: There's a there's a tra- when you're learning language, there's you don't automatically become a speaker. Obviously, there's a transition where you're continuously translating bit by bit in your mind from the language you know into or vice versa. And so, um, when I uh, moved to uh, Longueuil, uh, just near Montreal, to learn French uh, back in the '90s, um, I I found that there came a point when the translation wasn't necessary, and the words, the 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 expressions just came out naturally. In fact, uh, there was a coinciding event where I began to to dream in French mm. and all the people in Newfoundland who didn't speak French spoke French magically in my dreams. So I'm kind of anxiously awaiting that to happen to yes.
0: me. In yes, uh, that'd be, that'd be a, a, an exciting day. Mm. Now, let's talk about Mi'kmaq a little bit. You mentioned uh, learning French and that's difficult enough for those of us who've tried to do it um, now some of us tried for many years, but still aren't very good, but Mi'kmaq has the additional challenge of being, uh, rooted in a different world, a different, um, approach to life, a different mm-hmm. approach to people. It's a fundamentally different way of experiencing the world. And the language is like that. It's mm-hmm. not a simple matter of, um, uh, you know, translating, uh, you know, house into maison. Um. And um, tell us about that. I was uh, I was reading uh, the uh, book that Bernie Francis did to, with uh, Trudy Sable, The Language of This Land Mi'kma'ki, where he, he's describing uh, Mi'kmaq and how, for example, uh, Mi'kmaq is more about the verbs as opposed to English, which is about the nouns or the things. And he talks about how when you speak of, you wouldn't speak of my father, it's more of a communal approach to people that uh, that uh, Mi'kmaq people would have. So tell us about how the challenge that is in in getting into that different mind space, different cultural space in in, uh, in learning Mi'kmaq.
1: Well, Mi'kmaq is very much an observational language. So um, that's why it is verb-based. And you'll see that with... Um, all the other Algonquin languages. Um, for instance, in, in English, we will refer to somebody as a hunter. Uh, we will make it a noun. Uh, whereas in Mi'kmaq, you would say, uh, he, he is hunting. So it's always about the action that's going on and the observation and whereas English will tend to turn that all into a noun and then add bunches of adjectives on top of it. The other way that the language is very, is kind of different is that um, the conjugations are much more, um, are much uh, more intricate. So in English we say, I run, you run, he run. The only thing that's changed is an S has come on in the third person. In Mi'kmaq, you have uh, I, you, he, his friend has a different ending for the verb. Uh, We, um, when I'm speaking to you and including you, is different than we, when I'm talking about me and my friend. I'm talking to you, but I'm talking about me and my friend. So it turns out that there's nine completely different endings just in the present tense for Mi'kmaq in order to conjugate verbs. Once you know those endings, though, you have a very uh, big insight into what the word is saying. You know at least who's involved in the conversation. The, the There's a range of middle parts of the section, root words, and then again at the front of the word, you'll have many modifiers, like elugwe um, means I'm going to work, poktulugwe um, Means I'm beginning work. Gahilugwe means uh, Gahilugwe means I'm finished work. So, depending on the ending and on the beginning and recognizing a whole bunch of roots in the middle, that's where you and you once you once you know the formulas of these things, you can begin to put together words that you've never seen before, or and it will be understood. So it's they call it polysynthetic. It's adding blocks to the word so that it gives a full meaning
0: in the end. Mm. So what what would you say is the most challenging thing about uh, learning Mi'kmaq is it is it uh, recognizing the sounds is it um, is it the f- vocabulary what um, what would you say is the uh, is the most challenging thing Well like you alluded
1: to it's so un- it's not like anything else that we've seen before so When, um, if you're an English speaker, you will pick up the Latin influences in it from French and from, if you're an Italian speaker, you will naturally pick up pieces of French and Portuguese Uh, and it's kind of cross those things. But the the good thing is, the positive thing is, is that once you learn one Algonquin language, you have a lot of insight into all the other ones like innu and um uh, wollastock and uh, cree and all these other algonquin languages mm. i will I'll listen to podcasts from other languages sometimes and i will pick up very important parts of the conversation without ever having studied wow. yeah
0: now what what advice would you have for for people who are interested in in learning Mi'kmaq. I mean, I think we have to recognize that most people will not make the sacrifice that you've made by uh, uprooting yourself from Flat Bay and moving to Eskasoni. Um, Mm -hmm. They can take language camps. They can uh, uh, learn words, you know, word of the day. Uh, But, you know, perhaps it's unlikely they're going to become fluent by going to language, cam- language camps and learning words, so uh, there's a lot of interest in language now. And so, what advice uh, would you have for people out there who uh, have an interest in language, in the Mi'kmaq language specifically?
1: Well, um, first of all, um, learn words. Learn words that are important to you in your daily life. Leave the other ones alone for for the time being. So. For example, it, it it's very rarely <laughs> said properly. Let me put it mm. that way. So let me do, do this for a little quick lesson. The last two syllables, it's all about counting syllables, and if you say each syllable properly, you'll say the word properly. The last two syllables are libu. Mm. Libu. li-bu. Now you add on to the front of that the awkward guttural Q, mm-hmm. Khalibu. Khalibu. perfect, Glenn. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Another cool. quick, another quick one, um, Migamagi, or Mi'gamau. It has, Mi'guma. it has three cell, syllables. You'll often hear you hear um, um, Migma, right? You often hear Migma, two syllables. There's actually three syllables in the word. It's migamau, migamau.
0: That's that's interesting because I always notice that when uh, we're hearing someone from Cape Breton, from from across the water, there, it's always migamau, and mm. not and uh, in our part of the world we we're say we say migma. Right. Uh, so there's the,
1: the big thing to recognize. There is there's two. We're saying it incorrectly with two syllables. There's actually three. Migamau. Migamau. Right. Um another little piece of advice is uh you have to be very careful in how you pronounce vowels because I said to my uh my language mentor one night early in the program, I said to her, Well I meant to say to her, sleep well, well impadesk, but will impadesk come out as Die well. So you have to pay attention to detail. <laughs> yes, quite so. Uh, but, uh, yeah, on, on the technical side of things, really concentrate on learning how to, uh, how to um, conjugate verbs. Um, and on the practical side of things, uh, you know if this is something that you really want to do, then um, don't sit around and wait for it to be fed to you. A, fr- a good friend of mine, in uh, Joe Wilmot in uh, Listegush, said to me at the last Onui Edge conference, he said, language is something where it's permissible to go take it, and you need to go take it. You can't wait for it to come to you. You need to go take it. Mm. So um, that would be my advice to anybody who really wants to reach a fluency level. Um, do a... Use all the resources you can online. There are multiple, uh, learn to read and write and plan for that opportunity to uh, escape and spend six to 12 months
0: uh, in um,
1: Mi'kmaq community.
0: Mm. And uh, Dean, what are your plans now? You're, you're in Eskasoni at the moment. Uh, are you, uh, how long are you staying there? Are you gonna go back to Flat Bay or what's, what's in your future?
1: Um, I'm likely going to be here for about another year. I, um, I, as I said earlier, I'm about 75% where I want to be.
0: And, and where, where's, where's a hundred percent of where you want to be?
1: A hundred percent is where I don't ever have to switch back into English, where I don't freeze up. And, um, it still happens a lot. You know, I, I, I can take it in chunks and process it, but I'm still doing that translation translation stage. And so there's the answer: the when I stop translation uh, in my head and actually begin speaking the language and understanding the language. Hmm. Not quite there yet. Hmm.
0: Well, Dean, uh, you're it's inspiring what what you've been able to do, and um, it shows that it can be done. So uh, thanks for. For showing us uh, the path and um, for uh, being on the program today, much appreciated.
1: Walaan, Will Wladasi.
0: Will Nemoltus. Nemoltus. Dean Simon from Flat Bay and, for the moment, from Eskasoni. And that's it for the program. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Allison Baker is the producer of Megama Matters. A special thank you to our financial supporters who help us via patreon.com forward slash Matters or via email transfer at mi'kma'a.matters at gmail.com. This is Glenn Wheeler saying, look after yourselves. Namaltas. No